Monday, September 6th, that's the 1-2021, a glorious afternoon here in Super Salford. It's beautiful outside. Hope your day is going well. Thanks for joining me at the Richie Allen Radio Show. Comment on the programme right now at richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live at the top of the page. Broadcasting information the mainstream media won't touch. This is your Richie Allen Show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... A little bit later on in the program, Dean Henderson will join me live from the state of Missouri. Wonderful guy, terrific guy, researcher, author of some fantastic books which have stood the test of time as relevant today as they ever were. Dean's a great lad, will be on with me later on for an extended conversation about lots of different things. That's exciting, isn't it? Before that, though, I'm going to round up the news or the stories behind the news headlines as best as I possibly can with your help of course as I said do drop me a message through the website where it says comment live do it now or forever hold your peace I think think I can get away with that yeah it's coming up uh, for two minutes past five has your Monday gone to plan did you have a nice weekend I had a lovely weekend and I mean it when I say I was delighted to be back doing the Melodies programme yesterday, which some listeners to this programme have absolutely no interest in. And I totally understand that. I accept that. It's uh, For those of you who are new to this programme, it's a music-based programme which goes out on Sundays at 10am and I really like it. Few tunes, few stories, bit of or and or on the radio. Yeah, right. Where will I start today then? There's, as usual, there's no shortage of talking points. Plenty of talking points, no doubt. But let's start with the Taliban, shall we? Who, it is being reported, are, well, it's said they are in complete control now, pretty much of Afghanistan, having taken back the province of Panjshir. This was announced this morning. Who knows what to believe? Do you? Have you any clue? You share the thoughts you may have with me, I'll be only too glad to hear them. Because I don't know what's going on, I really don't. I have theories, but they can be shot down, I think, quite easily. Anyway, the valley, the province of Panjshir, the valley, has been cleared completely of opposition. And that's according to the spokespeople for the Taliban. They were speaking at a news conference in the city of Kabul, or Kabul, or Kabul earlier on. So the Taliban are back, dear listener, and this time they're not taking any prisoners. They never took any prisoners, really, did they? But you know, it's important not to confuse the Taliban with ISIS, by the way. Now, you're not stupid. You're not stupid or you're not stupid. Either. You're not. I know you're not. But the UK media is deliberately confusing the Taliban with ISIS. They must be. I was talking to a chap this morning and he was talking about the Taliban and their head-chopping videos. That's not them, says I. Oh, it's on the news, says he. Must be. I'm not even sure it's been on the news. You can't help some people. But there is that confusion. And now, to make matters even more ridiculous, they're talking about ISIS-K, which is an offshoot of Daesh, 
which is another name for ISIS. It all sounds like garbage to me, but anyway. Anyway, Tony Blair was out today. The former UK Prime Minister was calling on world leaders to come together to develop a common strategy against radical Islamic, Islamic extremists. That's what he did. He came out and said, listen... We need to develop a common strategy against radical Islamic extremism. Of course, this is a matter of days before the 20th anniversary of the September the 11th so-called terror attack. That's why you're seeing Blair now. He was speaking at at a think tank today, the Royal United Services Institute, otherwise known as RUSI. It's a military think tank. And Blair said that radical Islam continues to present a first-order security threat that, if it's left unchecked, will come to us, said Blair. Do you want to hear a little bit of Tony Blair? You don't. Well, I didn't think you did, but here you go anyway. Here's Blair. Counterterrorism, on its own, won't remove an entrenched threat. We need some boots on the ground. Naturally, our preference is for the boots to be local. But that will not always be possible. Western societies and their political leaders have become, quite understandably, deeply averse to casualties amongst our armed forces. This is not a problem for the armed forces themselves, who are brave and extraordinary people. But it is now an overwhelming political constraint. (laughs) This isn't a problem of our soldiers says Blair, they're happy to go thousands of miles away and die and kill people in a country that has never threatened nor never attacked the United Kingdom. This is the problem with politicians, says Blair. They don't have the stomach for it. But but our armed personnel, they're all too willing to sacrifice their lives for nothing. To any commitment to Western boots on the ground except for special forces. Yet the problem this gives rise to is obvious. Blair is there this morning. If the enemy we're fighting knows that the more casual... Blair was uh, at this think tank this morning to lament the fact that we're not, not just sending in special forces from time to time, but that we don't have the military in Afghanistan blowing people up and blowing things up. This is what he was doing. He was lamenting the fact that we're not over there murdering you know, willy-nilly just murdering people who, as I said, never threatened nor raised a finger against the United Kingdom. Boots on the ground except for special forces. Yet the problem this gives rise to is obvious. If the enemy we're fighting knows that the more casualties they inflict, the more our political will erodes, then the incentive structure is plain. One of the most depressing things I've heard regularly articulated over the past weeks is the idea that we are foolish in believing that Western notions of liberal democracy and freedom are exportable or will ever take root except in the somewhat decadent terrain of Western society. Blair gets depressed, he said, when he hears that you know, that it's it's foolish to think you can impose Western liberal democracy on other countries. This is what depresses him. Blair doesn't get depressed by the things he's done, the things that he's overseen during his career. No, he gets depressed at people telling him, we can't impose our way of life on people thousands of miles away. 
You're foolish to think otherwise. That depresses him. Now, maybe my generation of leaders were naive in thinking countries could be remade. Or maybe the remaking needed to last longer. But we should never forget, as we see the women of Afghanistan in the media, culture and civic society now flee in fear of their lives, that our values are still those which free people choose. Recovering confidence in those values and in their universal application is a necessary part of ensuring we stand up for them and are prepared to defend them. Yes, it's nausea-inducing stuff, of course it is. Tony Blair there, looking increasingly unwell. Now, that isn't wishful thinking on my behalf. I am capable, I've always been capable of separating my own personal animosity for certain people with my professional, from, from my professional self. You know, looking at it with two heads. My personal opinion is well known. I'd like to see the victims of Blair get a hold of him somewhere in a dungeon. That's what I would like to see. But professionally, leaving all that to one side, Blair looks very, very unwell, doesn't he? I take no pride in that because you become as bad as him. As him and the people he represents, if you get off on the fact that he might be in some pain or other, maybe his pain will come in the afterlife, but that's not for me to decide. Dreadful human being. Uh, Lindsey Graham, I'm not going to subject you to Lindsey Graham. He's a well-known warmongering hawk, United States Senator. He was on the BBC Hard Talk programme over the weekend and he's pretty sure that at some time or in at some time in the future, the United States will, in fact, be sending soldiers into that part of the world, into that region again. We'll leave that there. It's just everywhere at the moment. I don't know what's going on. I'm the first to admit when I don't know all sorts of different scenarios. I've had it out with Kevin Barrett. I'm sure Dean Henderson later will have something to say. Is the Are the neocon Zionist lunatics in Washington, are they happy to pull out and let the Islamic State lunatic head choppers funded by the United States and others, are they happy to pull out and allow them and the Taliban basically wipe one another out? I don't know the answer to any of these questions. Your guess is as good as mine. But you're going to hear more of this, of course, right up until the weekend because we're approaching the 20th anniversary of the so-called September the 11th attacks, which I worked, of course. Now, this is a story I've probably told four or five times over the years, I'm not going to tell it today. I might tell it Thursday. But for new listeners to the programme, I worked and called what was happening on September the 11th, minute by minute, with my presenter on WLRFM in Ireland 20 years ago. It's something I'll never forget. We were dragged, having presented our mid-morning talk programme, having gone to lunch thinking we were going to spend the rest of the day planning the following day's talk programme, we ended up going back on air for the rest of the day and into the evening, discussing what was going on, speaking to people live in New York City and reporting on it, which is very interesting, I suppose, if, if you know, if you are across what happened on September the 11th. It was obviously a big deal for me later on. It was something that inspired a big change in the way I think and the way I see things. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it now, but maybe on Thursday we might make some time to chat about it. It is Saturday, 
September the 11th is on Saturday this year. It'll be 20 years, 12 minutes past five now. Professor Adam Finn from the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation was speaking to the media today. I caught him on the BBC Radio 5 Live breakfast programme. Finn reiterated the JCVI stance this morning that healthy children shouldn't, should not be offered one of the coronavirus vaccines. This has been hugely controversial. Okay, because last Friday, the JCVI said after it seemed like weeks and weeks and weeks of humming and hawing, they said, for now, we don't think healthy children should get the jab. They said that unhealthy children, children with underlying health conditions should get it. Now, Adam Finn of the JCVI was speaking to the BBC's Rachel Burden this morning. Strangely enough, and I mentioned this on richieallen.co.uk today, strangely enough, Burden didn't ask Finn for his thoughts on various comments made by the vaccine minister Nadim Zahawi yesterday. One of those comments was Zahawi said that, incredibly he said, that if a parent or parents do not want the child to be jabbed, but if the child is deemed to be competent, well, then the child will be jabbed, despite the parents saying no against the parents' wishes. Now, he wasn't asked this today, strangely, by the BBC. I wonder why. Here's a few cuts of Adam Finn speaking with the BBC today. Rachel Burden asked him first, why not jab the 12 to 15-year-olds? Adam. Uh, it's it's a low-risk situation, Rachel. So they're very unlikely to get sick with COVID in terms of the acute illness. Uh, we're finding that the long COVID problem, which could be preventable by vaccine to some extent, is is very unusual in children. Um, uh, on the other hand, there are big unknowns around the safety of the vaccine in this age group. Uh, it's not that it's highly risky in any way, yeah, but there is a rare side effect that affects the heart. And we just don't know the long-term implications of that. So th- there's not a high risk of illness. There, there's not a high risk... Uh, of side effects, but the, those, they kind of balance each other out, and it's just not clear that children overall will benefit in health terms by receiving the vaccine. Right, and yet lots of other countries are doing it, significantly the United States. I think 29 other European countries are vaccinating 12-year-olds and over. Hmm. Right. Interesting. What was his answer to that? Yeah, we have the advantage that we have the experience, particularly of the United States, which have been doing this for a while, to to uh, to use in terms of making this decision, which, of course, they didn't have at the time that they decided to go forward with this, uh, a, a country which has uh, had much more trouble, really, getting other people to get immunised. So they had really quite low and still have quite low immunisation rates across the population uh, altogether. So different situations in those different countries um, and, of course, we've been uh, informed by our own epidemiology and what we've observed in children here. So I don't think it should be that surprising that different countries are doing different things. That's what we normally see with vaccines. And, yeah, I think we're already seeing a spike in cases in Scotland, aren't we, with schools returning there a couple of weeks ago. So if we want to minimise disruption in schools and stop transmission potentially or reduce transmission, I should say, to other more vulnerable age categories... 
Is it not better to vaccinate all children? She's like a dog with a bone, isn't she? She has school-going children. School-aged children. Yes, some of her children go to school. So they would be getting this jab, presumably, if they change their mind. Like a dog with a bone. What does he say to that? They should get it because they should think about the more vulnerable people that the kiddies might give the virus to. What does Adam Finn say? Well, that is, of course, the outstanding question. And, uh, you know, the the disruption of education is the real harm that children have experienced in the pandemic. Not so much getting sick from COVID, but having their education turned upside down. <clears throat> JCVI is not expert in the way that education is organised and, and the restrictions that children have been uh, subject to. And, and that's why there is this further consideration from experts in that area to try and decide that. So in, in health terms alone, in terms of individual children, we can't recommend that universal immunization of healthy children. We have recommended that children who have underlying problems receive the vaccine. Uh, but we, we do need to think about the fact that these vaccines do, to an extent at least, reduce transmission uh, of infection. And that may help uh, or contribute to helping to keep schools going. To an extent, eh? He said we've got to keep in mind that these vaccines, they're not vaccines, they're jabs, they're God knows what they are. But he says to an extent they reduce transmission. This is nonsense, isn't it? And of course it flies in the face of the 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 call to introduce vaccine passports. It doesn't matter. If the jabs they're giving to people don't prevent the jabbed person passing it on to somebody else. Well, what's the point in having a vaccine passport then? And we'll come to that in a moment. What's the point in coercing people into taking it then? What's the point in doing that? Doesn't stop them getting sick. It doesn't stop them passing it on. Burden comes back in. It's going. To an extent, yeah. This is To an extent, yeah. It's the, it's the most important part of the discussion, but she wants to move on. It'd be really tough for parents because if on the one hand governments do decide within the UK to roll out vaccinations for 12-year-olds and over, then they're hearing from you, we don't think it's necessary, even particularly because there is, and even though it's very, very minimal, this potential risk associated with it, what are parents going to do in that situation? Tim, for example, texts with this, when there is zero chance of a child being seriously affected by covid why should you even risk one child dying from an adverse reaction to a vaccine? Good question. His answer? Well, it, Tim's wrong. There's not zero chance of a child getting seriously sick with COVID. That does happen. It just doesn't happen very often. Um, but you're right that parents are, in a sense, faced with a dilemma here. Um, and they will have to listen carefully to the government's advice, including JCVI advice and any other advice before they decide. Of course, uh, parents always ultimately decide whether or not their children receive vaccines. All the vaccines that are provided through the NHS are offered to children and parents decide whether or not to receive them. There's no this is really important here. He's making the point rather deliberately that parents make the choice. Parents choose whether or not their child is given the offered jabs traditionally. Now, the government is saying that this time, if the youngster wants it and the youngster is competent, that will overrule any objection by the parents. Now, this is where they should have gotten into this, but she doesn't get into it. It's ultimately decide whether or not... Yeah, let me just bring it back a little bit there. Decide. 
Of course, uh, parents always ultimately decide whether or not their children receive vaccines. All the vaccines that are provided through the NHS are offered to children and parents decide whether or not to receive them. There's no... That's the way it's been done, right? Forever. No compulsion there. No compulsion. So in that sense, this is not an unusual situation, but it is unusual in the sense that uh, you know, we've not given a strong endorsement at this case for these particular vaccines at this particular time. Mm. It's very interesting. And I think it will lead to a lot of interesting discussions within households, within families. Yeah, burden is as useless as teats on a bull. Useless. She should have said to him right there, you say that it's left up to parents. The government this time wants to take the parent out of the equation and let the child decide for himself or herself, 12-year-old. Children making a decision on whether they should be jabbed or not. Yes. However, Professor Lucinda Ferguson, who is at, she's based at Oxford University. She's an Oxford family law professor. She spoke to the Telegraph newspaper this morning and said that injecting a child without the parental consent is, quote, technically battery, end quote. Technically battery, she said. She was obviously responding to what the vaccine minister Zahawi said yesterday, that if the 12 to 15 year old wanted to jab and was deemed to be competent, then the parents would be told tough titty, basically. But Ferguson said that in her view, the clinician may very well be reluctant to accept that because alongside that, you've now got the JCVI saying that they don't consider it to be essential in the medical best interests of children more generally. Therefore, some clinicians will fear that anything happens to the child and the parent hasn't given the responsibility, it's technically battery. And that would concern the clinician greatly. What do I say about this? All I can say to people is if you have school-going children, if they're at that age, they're still in school, and you don't want them to have it, at this stage, I would be sounding out the advice of a solicitor. I did mention that on the website today. I, I, I would be wrong to advise you of anything else. Speak to a solicitor and let him or her know that you're concerned you don't want the kid to have the jab, but you're concerned that the kid might get the jab anyway in school. That's what I would say. I would say contact a solicitor and know, know your rights is what I would say. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show. It is Monday the 6th of September 2021. Coming up a little later on, Dean Henderson live from Missouri. Before that, lots more stories of interest to you and me. Lots to chat about. I'll read your comments as well shortly. Al Jarreau, Moonlighting, the theme tune to the TV series Moonlighting, which is a great TV show. Back in the 80s, 25 and a half minutes past five o'clock this Monday. Let me read some of your comments. Thanks for them. To comment on the programme, it's richieallen.co.uk at the top of the page where it says comment live. I'm going to keep saying this for another couple of weeks anyway. You'll get used to it. Hayden said something about some alternative to Twitter that could be hosted on the website. We'll look into that. Uh, Patricia in Zurich says, Richie, it's not difficult for parents who actually have a brain and know the children are not in any real danger from this virus. Parents decide on vaccines. These particular vaccines are not even vaccines. They are experimental gene therapies, says uh, Patricia, who went on to say, that the prominent German virologist Dr. Sucharit Bakhti 
has advised the public not to receive what he called the potentially lethal COVID vaccines. He has said that. He warned parents, this esteemed doctor, if they vaccinate their defenceless children, they are committing a crime. That's his words. That's right. Yes, you won't be hearing him on any commercial television channel or national TV or radio channel. Of course you won't. Of course you won't. William says, my son told me today that they had a new pupil join and the lad was wearing two masks. He happens to be six years old, says William, who's based in Scotland. Alan says it's the jab. If they jab your kids without your consent, is it a matter for the lawyers? As I think going to the useless plod would be pointless. I suppose then battering the person who jabbed your kid isn't wise, but on many a level it would be justified, especially if the child died, for example. Yes. Yes, well, that's going to be very interesting, that. I made a point on the website today, if a clinician gave a jab to a child without the consent of the parent and something bad happened to the child. It wouldn't be the greatest defence now in the world, would it, if you were in court and you were defending yourself against the inevitable litigation and you said, well, well, the child said that they wanted me to do it. Yeah, I'd be very careful if I was a vaccinator now about giving these jabs to children. Full stop but especially where the children, excuse me, especially where the parents have said no, thank you. Hi to Gaz Bob, who says that jabbing a child in this manner is rape. Well, the law professor from Oxford says it's tantamount to battery, which is uh, very interesting. Uh, Hi to uh, Faisal, how you doing, Faisal? A video of the JCVI interview on Channel 4 News. Thank you. You can see all of these tweets, not all of these tweets, all of these messages on the Comment Life page on my website and you can interact with people. On Tony Blair, Craig says, not a surprise from Blair, the man who sold 49% of the armed forces to the Carlisle Group for whom he became an executive after leaving office, just like John Major. Uh, That's my added on bit at the end, just like John Major. Hi to Charlie Burton who says, how dare Blair say he's a leader. Jason says, they always wheel out the rat, Tony Blair. Stephen said, God, I wish the war criminal would just F off. Sorry about the language. He didn't say F off. He used the, well, the the more common version of F off. John in Austin, Texas says, Richie, he says, hey Nicola, I've just had my second vaccination. What do you think of that? Fan jabby double dozy says, John, he's joking. I don't think he really did have any of the jabs. But then again, what do I know? The time is 29 minutes past five o'clock. This is your Richie Allen radio show. Broadcasting information the mainstream media won't touch. This is your Richie Allen show. Yeah, I'm getting used you, Stephen. Getting used to new playout systems and stuff. Right, okie doke. We'll come back to COVID and vaccine passports, etc. But for the moment, let's just get away from it. I saw the feminist writer and campaigner Julie Bindle on Sky this morning. She's often to be found, or she's often found on Sky's breakfast weekend programmes, reviewing the newspapers Saturday, sometimes Sunday mornings. Interesting woman, feminist writer and campaigner. She has a new book out. She was on Sky talking to Adam Bolton about the book, and he asked her about the term TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, as she's been called, and why Adam Bolton wanted to know why does it seem that people who are not women 
are populating the feminist argument more and more these days. Here's Julie Bindel. Yes, I mean, there's that. And I think that the bigger problem, other than trans people who just want to get on with their lives and have the rights that they deserve, is the allies, the so-called male progressives that are using the fight between some feminists who want to keep hold of our hard-won sex-based rights in law um, and and the extreme trans ideology where we're told that gender expression should trump sex-based rights, which is ridiculous. And some of these younger men, the ones who, who are heading up some feminist societies and speaking for women constantly, are saying that we shouldn't be concerned about rape crisis centres being open to male-bodied, self-identified trans people, and that we should forget the fact that we are concerned about, for example, men flashing their genitals, uh, as we've seen the, with the kerfuffle about the wee spa in Los Angeles recently, and just see them as trans women, um, which is ludicrous, bearing in mind that none of us are against trans people at all. What we're hoping to hold on to, because it took us decades to actually achieve, is legislation that protects women and girls which we only implemented because of male violence. And, you know, it is a minority of men, but it's a sizable minority that commit acts of sexual assault on women. And also because we really cannot, we cannot roll back legal rights that it took decades to put in place for a tiny minority of people that are claiming that they are women, when in fact they should be being accepted across the board in men's spaces not women's. Julie Bindel speaking to Adam Bolton earlier on. Now, climate change. I'm not going to play the jingle. Climate change. Massive attack. The band has called on the government to introduce a plan to cut carbon emissions at concerts. Did you see this today? You may have come across this. The band commissioned a report on carbon emissions in the music industry. And one of the things Massive Attack did was it gave its own data to the Tyndall Centre for Climate Change Research at Manchester University, right? So the band said, look, here's all of our data, everything, our tour data, right? Where we go, when we went there, how we got there, what we did, the entire crew, everything, and gave it to this uh, Climate Change Research Centre at Manchester University. And Manchester University came back and said, right, bands should ditch private jets, Bands should reduce the amount of kit they bring on tour. They should also, they didn't, they didn't say this though, but they're also probably saying, you know, you should reduce the number of employees you have because they create carbon too. Apparently, in the future, cheaper tickets should be given to punters who travel by public transport. And they, they should have these eco bikes, you know, these bikes. I think Boris Johnson. City bikes, think back years ago. These bikes that people can just pick up, they should be available at music venues. Now, this is barking mad stuff, this. Uh, the singer with Texas, Charlene Spiteri, was on the BBC this morning. Here's what she had to say about it. Uh, we were talking about carbon neutral touring. Yeah. Um, is it something you and the band management, promoters, have any conversations always, about? You know, there's always there's always big looks at it, you know, number one, um, before, you know, everybody was being really conscious about carbon neutral, the costs of touring. Um, and obviously if you're zigzagging all over and going back on yourself, the, the amount of fuel that's used is, is bad. We, um, 
we travel by bus, by um, as much as we can rather than fly. Um, and it is, it is a very conscious decision. Um, for me in my personal life, I mean, you know, musicians have, um, I would say they have a lot more choices than a lot of people because they can afford to make choices um, as far as um, food, um, where we're shopping, um, how we're consuming our food, how we buy our food, how it travels, how local it is, everything like that as well. Um, you know, we, my, my husband and I, we've got a, a small holding and um, we actually supply all the fruit and veg to his restaurants. We have our own bees and everything. So, you know, I think I'm in a very lucky position that I can make um, decisions to try and keep um, my footprint down as much as I possibly can. And, you know, it is constant, it is constant um, conversations between promoters, um, tour companies, everything to to try, to try and make it, 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 it as low as we possibly can. Mm. Charlene Spiteri there. Interesting this, isn't it? On, we're going to come back to vaccine passports in a moment, but I've had a couple of messages from people who've told me that they've, basically reluctantly accepted that gigs they have they've got tickets for gigs that are coming up later this year and they're expecting not to be able to attend those gigs reluctantly accepting it listen I'm your brother I'm there as well we've got two sets of tickets for two different artists and we know we won't be attending either listen we're 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 together in spirit there. I suppose we have to be. We're going to move on. We're going to talk about vaccine passports in a minute. We'll take a tune first. So before that, speaking of Texas and Charlene Spiteri, this is a this is an oldie. This twenty four minutes to the top of the hour. It's a comment live at the top of richieallen.co.uk. If you'd like to drop me a message during the programme, I'll be reading out more of your comments as we go along. Dean Henderson will join the programme a little bit later on, live from Missouri. Fascinating guy, very well briefed, great author and a terrific journalist. Don't miss Dean a little bit later on in the programme. Your comments, please, richieallen.co.uk. You're listening to the saviour of the independent media. It's your Richie Allen. Sure is. It's 20 minutes to 6 o'clock. Dean Henderson coming up a bit later on. And you read out some comments on Julie Bindle. That's annoyed some of you. Emma says, Richie, someone tear that turf a logical arsehole, please. More women commit acts of domestic violence than men. Men get no help with rape crisis. Those feminists are evil, says Emma. Emma, please show me a study or a link to a study that demonstrates that women commit more acts of domestic violence than men. I don't believe that to be true. I believe that to be farcical, Emma. But I stand to be corrected if you can prove me wrong. No, men are far more likely. Every study I've ever read uh, suggests that men are far more likely to raise their hands against their uh, female partners, wives, girlfriends, whatever. But if you can show me a study that says something else, not that we put, um, you know, not that we put an enormous amount of faith in studies, by the way. Hi to D. How you doing, D? I'm enjoying sitting in the sun listening in, she says. The show is always a great start to the week. Thank you, D. Really appreciate, appreciate your nice comment. I won't read it because, well, 
they'll say that I'm sending myself flowers, D. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. Craig says Massive Attack seem to have forgotten what it's like to be a small impoverished band. Those bands will either be driven out of business by high travel, unreliable travel means, or they will be driven out of business when they relay those high costs to the paying public. That's a very interesting point of view on the touring. Let's talk vaccine passports then. This is important. A lot of discussion about it today. The vaccine minister, Nadim Zahawi, saying they are coming back in at the end of the month. That's what he said, right? Oh, what am I saying? He didn't say they're coming back in. They're coming in at the end of this month. He said that vaccine passports will be required in nightclubs and other indoor venues in England from the end of September. He confirmed it yesterday, speaking to the BBC and Sky on the Sunday programmes. He said it was the right time to start the scheme for sites with large crowds, as all over 18s will have been offered two jabs by then. Venues, pub owners, land, uh, nightclub owners, I should say, have been criticising this on television and radio today, but the government is determined to do it, saying that it would help the economy to remain open. Yes, let's get a flavour of what was said today. The Telegraph and the Mail, I suppose, the only print opposition up to a point, because it's still very mainstream light, isn't it? BBC Radio 5 Live's Nicky Campbell on The Breakfast Show today. He had the Telegraph writer Madeline Grant on as part of his daily phone-in. Here's Nicky Campbell with Madeline Grant on vaccine passports. Madeline Grant says she's not thrilled at the prospect of them being introduced. I've never liked the idea of vaccine passports. I've never liked the idea of COVID, you know, but it's just something we might have to do. Well, the thing is, Nikki, that I I I always disliked the idea of them from the very beginning. But now I think that with the arrival of the Delta variant, the case for them is is pretty tenuous as well, because the, the new variant is so transmissible that it's much more effective at getting past... Uh, the, the vaccines, even though they're still very good at protecting against the worst effects and hospitalisation. So now I see it that you would have all of the potential downsides of bringing in passports. You'd have the concerns about privacy, you'd have the harm to businesses, lots of theatres, lots of venues, lots of nightclubs say it will be terrible for them. I think it would divide society further and potentially even poise, poison opinion towards vaccines, having done it in such other vaccines having done it in such a divisive way so you would have all of these downsides and and yet if you're worried about catching covid at a gathering uh, because of the transmissibility of the variant it would probably make more sense to ask people to do a quick test at the door rather than asking everyone to show passports so i think i'm not really sure what the purpose of them is at this point beyond pure coercion <laughs> pure coercion getting 20-somethings, getting 30-somethings, getting 40-somethings to get double-jabbed, getting the economy moving so it doesn't have that lockdown, open up, lockdown, open up, terrible cycle. I mean, you're right. I mean, to say, I'm just reading the Nature Journal on this uh, a couple of days ago. Most vaccines, many vaccines provide a strong um, protection against COVID and, this is the key, substantially reduce the risk of passing it on. Delta, less so. But then we have a situation that the vaccines will be tweaked and tweaked and tweaked. That's an ongoing process. And it's still going to reduce transmission to an extent. 
Was there a question in there somewhere? She seemed to think there was. Yeah, that's true. It will. I'm, I'm not trying to talk down the vaccines here at all. But I think that there are lots of... Bringing in something like vaccine passports is itself not a cost-free undertaking. Um, we've had, I think, a really horrible 18 months, which have been really bad for society, really bad for the social fabric that have created all sorts of divisions. So it is extremely divisive that you would effectively be barring people who refuse to get vaccinated from uh, having access to all sorts of everyday, um, everyday aspects of society. That is really divisive. And yet, if you're bringing it in... but It's divisive it's not, really, not being vaccinated, isn't it? Well, yes, it is, but I'm not... I'm not I'm, as I say, I'm getting my vaccine later today, but I'm not sure really what the purpose of them is. You might have a marginal impact on... Trans- She's getting her vaccine later today, but isn't quite sure what the purpose of them is. You see, this is the thing. Mainstream light was a, was a term. I don't know who coined it, but David Icke used to use this many years ago to describe much of the so-called independent media and the Daily Mail and the Telegraph and the Julia Hartley Brewers of this world, mainstream light. Bizarre thing to say that, you know. I'm going to have my second jab today. She did confirm later it was her second jab. But I don't know what the purpose of it is. Well, why have it then? Well, yes, it is. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm, as I say, I'm getting my vaccine later today. But I'm not sure really what the purpose of them is. You might have a marginal impact on transmission, but vaccine, as I say, vaccine passports are not cost-free. There'll be all sorts of industries that are very much against this, that are very worried about uh, the impact, and that industries have already been through a great deal of pain over the last 18 months who are very much against this. So you would have all of these downsides, but we're still not going to get to herd immunity through vaccination. So it's not, it's less clear what the objective is, other mm. than you might browbeat some, a few more people into getting vaccinated, but you also might turn people off getting vaccinated. You might polarise the issue of vaccination in general, which That's, is something that as a society been, we've done very well. The case in Israel point. hasn't, you know, there's uh, people when they're forced to, when they're forced to have the vaccines, a certain proportion of society will um, t- choose a finger and hold it up. Yeah. Yeah. Jean Anna sent me a, a quick uh, message there that uh, Madeleine Grant is the definition of ditzy. Absolutely right. I, I'm going to have my second jab today, but I, I really don't see what the purpose of the jab is. You know, Grant has seen the evidence. It's been in her newspaper. It's also been in the Times. It's been in the Daily Mail. That the jabs are useless. Useless. There is no evidence that the jabs prevent... Here, here's something that really does my head in. It, to use a scientific term, right? Does my head in. I can't understand this. They claim constantly that the jabs are worthwhile because they prevent against serious illness. That is a monster of a lie, that. That is the purest of bullshit. Because 99.9% of everybody who is exposed to whatever COVID is doesn't become ill anyway. And yet they keep saying, have the jab. Why? Because it'll prevent you becoming seriously ill. And you respond, well... I'm pretty sure if COVID was going around, if, because we don't know, right? If I'm pretty sure I had it or it passed me by, so my immune system did my job. And they say, ha ha, well, have it anyway because it'll prevent you passing it on to somebody who's vulnerable. And then they admit that it doesn't prevent you passing it on. And this ditzy, dizzy Madeline Grant 
as the Telegraph, knows that the jabs are, at the very least, worthless and maybe very harmful. She knows this. She said it to Nikki Campbell. Not sure why, what's the purpose of it. There, there is no, well, there is a purpose. But she doesn't want to go there. No chance does she want to go there. And Nikki Campbell won't let her go there. What could it be for? Why would they push this jab on us if it doesn't do anything? Because <laughs> it doesn't. But they won't touch that one, will they? Madeline Grant from The Telegraph speaking with Nikki Campbell on BBC Radio 5 Live. Isn't Campbell revolting? You know, Campbell masturbates to reruns of The Wheel of Fortune, by the way. His own, when he presented it back in the day. Loves himself. Then he had Ellie Gaunt on. She's an Edinburgh University professor. She's a respiratory viruses expert. Ellie Gaunt loves the passports idea. Nikki Campbell asked her about foisting the vaccine on people. Dr Ellie Gaunt, on the point that Pam makes there, why should you force people to have the vaccine if they don't want it? What would you say? Well, from a public health perspective, having a vaccination is not just about protecting yourself. And as I said, these vaccines are incredibly effective at preventing severe disease outcomes, but it's also about protecting those around you as well. Um, And there are plenty of people in society who have, you know, immunocompromised situations, you know, like cancer patients um, who in whom the vaccines are just not causing, you know, the protective effect that we see in the uh, otherwise healthy population. And so, you know, it's not just uh, an individual responsibility. It's kind of your civic duty to get vaccinated to protect those around you who are at high risk. It's your civic duty now to have the jab to protect others around you. Mixed messaging. Tavistock, is it? Asks Jean Ann. Yeah, mixed messaging is a tried and tested tactic. Confuse people. And the more confused they are, the more different messages they, 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 they receive. Strangely enough, makes them more likely to take the official line. That's been proven, that. The more you model them and befuddle them with different messages, with contradictory messages. Think back last year when this began to the arbitrary, the many, many arbitrary measures the government introduced, the senseless measures, two metres. I mean, what horse shit was two metres? Indoors, hilarious, two metres. A sneeze travels 25 to 30 feet, as does a cough. Or maybe a cough travels a little less. All of it, none of it made any sense, but that's part of a plan, that's part of an agenda. Get them totally confused, get their brains muddled. And eventually, what happens is, subconsciously, they won't want to think or, about it or deal with it. That's what happens when the brain becomes overloaded. You think of a pilot that's become task-saturated in the cockpit. We've seen this over the years when planes, sadly, have crashed, and they talk about how the pilot in the end didn't take certain actions that may have saved the aircraft and the crew because he or she was task-saturated, they froze. And to an extent, this is what happens to people when you fill their heads full of contradictory messaging and bullshit and arbitrary rules and regulations. In the end, on some level, they try to divest themselves of the whole thing. And one of the ways of doing that is just to throw it all out and just do what you're told. And that's what's going on, in my opinion. I'm no amateur psychologist, let alone a real psychologist, so you can take what I just said with a large dose of salt if you'd like. 
Nikki Campbell then asks Ellie Gaunt, the infectious diseases expert from Edinburgh University, he asks her, do you endorse the vaccine passport scheme? Absolutely. So what we've seen in France, France had a real problem um, with vaccine hesitancy and they did the same thing. They brought vaccine passports in for that reason. And the day after they brought them in, nearly a million people booked their jabs. So these were people that were already eligible and the estimated increase in uptake because they brought vaccine passports in was an extra 7 million people. So that's a huge public health benefit. There's also evidence that a lot of people became even more entrenched in their position not to be vaccinated and not to have the passports as well, even if they were vaccinated, because they don't like the, uh, the, the creeping hand of the state there very much, do they? A lot of people. Mm. Um. Well, yeah, so I suppose that's that's um, the opposite side of the argument. But if we look at the numbers from places like France, the overall, uh, the, the overwhelming evidence is that this is overall a benefit to society. Isn't she delightful, Ellie Gaunt? I wonder, is she the great granddaughter of Irma Grazy by any chance? Maybe she's not. But yeah, she's all for it. Coerce people, make people's lives so miserable, deny them access to everything until they roll up their sleeves for a jab they do not need and that might cause them grievous harm. Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio had two Tory MPs on. James Heapy. He's an armed forces minister. He likes a good vaccine passport, so he does. And he wants to extend the emergency COVID power still further. You'll hear Julia Hartley Brewer first, then... The James Heapy, yeah, the MP. Question, just finally, vaccine passports and uh, extension of emergency powers, those votes are going to come in in the next few weeks. Will you vote for both of those, either of them or none? I'll vote for both, Julia. I happen to believe quite strongly that actually our journey out of this pandemic is through um, a vaccination programme that we're able to assure in certain circumstances around travel and when people are in quite high density and in close proximity. Mm. Uh, I know that might not be the most popular argument to your listeners, you, but... You don't but need a vaccine passport it, right? to get into the House of Commons or the MOD, do you? Uh, no, no, I don't think... Why not? You know. Why not? Don't you believe in vaccines? Well, I'm not sure that we're suggesting that any workplace has a vaccine passport requirement. No, but the House of Commons, I you've got 650 well, MPs crowded in. Why you've got? Well, I'm sure. Why on earth wouldn't are, you need vaccine passports for the House of Commons? Well, look, I mean, I think that don't the, you want to be safe? The House of Commons can be a very exciting place, but I'm not sure that it is quite the same uh, proximity uh, and excitement as Isn't you might it? get in nightclubs or at a music. Have you, have you not gone what? through the voting? When you, when you vote, you're all in very small enclosed area, very poor ventilation. You're sitting up close to each other. Why on earth should a nightclub have, have vaccination I'm passports? I'm not sure not? I see the same parallel, and I I do believe that you know. Take, for example, in my own constituency, I represent the Glastonbury Festival, for example. And they have been saying to me all along, look, you know, we can sort of work with this. We want to get the festival up and running. If we need to sort of go through that sort of process around verifying people's vaccination status, let's do it. I heard Darren Grimes on your show before I came on. I understand the arguments against, but there'll be plenty in the hospitality industry who are saying, look, if, if the highest certainty we can have about being able to open and stay open is by doing vaccine passports, that's the route we'll happily no, go down. The highest certainty is the, the government to say we will not lock down again because it's unscientific. James Heapy, I do mm. always appreciate you. 
Brewer speaking to James Heapy a short time later she spoke to Brexit Secretary former Brexit former Brexit Secretary and now backbencher for the Conservative Party David Davis Well I was the first person to raise the red flag as it were on the on the emergency powers right back at the beginning and I still take the same view that they they no longer need extension in fact just the opposite we ought to have a freedom bill to revoke every law passed under the under the emergency powers act because that most of them people don't know about that just ministers just did it, you know. Yeah. Um, so that on that side, I'll be I'll be opposing the extension. Um, uh, and this time, by the way, if the Labour government—it's not Labour government—the Labour opposition get, uh, get it may uh, as well be a Labour government. I know. <laughs> you know. Don't don't get me down that road. But if 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 Labour uh, got some nerve about it, they would realise that this is now the popular move to take to stand up against the government on extending these unnecessary powers on the on the so-called coronavirus passport. It is an idea looking for a problem. It's not actually going to do any good. If you have been vaccinated, it protects you. It doesn't particularly well protect other people. It stops you getting a very serious illness, but it doesn't stop you becoming infected and it doesn't stop you infecting other people. So we're now going to have a certificate saying we've got a vaccine protecting ourselves um, and we're pretending it's protecting everybody else. It's misleading. As apart from all the civil liberties issues, it's also dangerously misleading. It is dangerously misleading. Yes, but again, Davis resorted to this nonsense about they always feel they've got to endorse the jab, don't they? You know, well, it stops you becoming seriously ill, but this is bullshit. The vast, vast, vast majority of people will not become ill at all if this virus, whatever it is, touches them. So that negates this. It dismisses out. It blows it out of the water, this claim that the jabs protect against... No, your immune system protects against serious illness. That's what protects you, as has been proven. They didn't have any jabs last year. Don't forget Chris Whitty, that dipstick Chris Whitty, England's chief medical officer. Don't forget him standing in front of the assembled press last summer saying, and I quote, I might be paraphrasing, but it's exactly what he said. He said, the great, great majority of people will not become ill when they get coronavirus. And of those who do become ill, the great, great majority of those will only have mild symptoms. A tiny few will have fairly, not serious, but a tiny few of them, he said, will, will be ill for a few days. But of that group, he said, a tiny, tiny percentage of that group will need to be treated in hospital. Your immune system prevents against serious illness. Not the jabs. It's a lie. The, the, the entire thing is based upon a fallacy. The jabs stop you getting seriously ill. No, they don't. Your immune system does. And they want to give these to children. They want to make, they want to turn assembly halls or gyms in schools into jabbing centres. And they want to coerce perfectly healthy young children with developing immune systems to take these jabs. We're really here now. And I know I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't do fear porn. Never have done. I don't peddle it. Not interested in that. I leave that to the truthers. Talk about facts. They're going to insist that youngsters have this. 
that don't, well, I mean, nobody needs it. Caroline sent a message through the website. Richie, they want us to take the injection to protect vulnerable people like cancer sufferers. But, says Caroline, what has the NHS been doing for people with cancer problems in the last 18 months? They've not been seeing them. They've not been testing them. They've been allowing people with cancer... They've been allowing cancers to develop in people to a point where, for many of them, there's no way back. But we're being told we need to protect those people with cancer. How about the NHS starts looking after people suffering from real diseases before asking us to take jabs that we don't need to protect those so-called vulnerable people, says Caroline. Thank you for that. Caroline, hi to Fiona Pierce. How you doing, Fiona? Welcome to the programme. Hi to Al Barnes. Uh, Richie, I've not taken the vaccine, so a member of my team has had to fly out to Austria on my behalf. He flew from Manchester to Heathrow today, and he cannot believe how difficult it was to get through the security with at least two challenges from the police as to why and what he is travelling to London for. Why has he two mobile phones and a laptop? Why is he travelling to Austria, etc, etc? He's got more patience than me, as I would have told them to mind their business, says Al. When did it become a requirement to explain why you are travelling and to explain this to the police, says Al. Imagine that. The chap is flying from Manchester to London, a domestic flight, and he's getting all of that nonsense from the police. Al, thanks so much for your message. You can comment on the programme at the top of the page. Richie Al uk comment live. Hi to Hermione. Hi to Ewan Cooper. Ewan says, Richie, conflicting messaging is what they call double think. Having just read this part of 1984, it is a perfect example of double think to hold two conflicting ideas at the same time. That's a good catch, Ewan. You're absolutely spot on straight out of 1984. Paul says it's a concoction of conflicting information to cause mass confusion, but also it's used to make the population petrified of being around other people. Well said, Paul. It's pretty clear when you think about it, pretty clever too, especially when you see how awful people have been when they think others aren't following the rules. Look at how people behave when they think others are not following the rules. This is divide and rule, and it is divide and rule on steroids, says Paul. Thanks so much for your message, Paul. Lots to get through on this episode of the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford. And it's good to be with you. Lovely afternoon, lovely evening here, hazy sunshine across the northwest. My name is Richie Allen, I'm the BBG. Dean Henderson will be live from the state of Missouri. He'll be with me in a few minutes' time after this from the great Mike and the Mechanics. This is a great song, The Living Years, on your Richie Allen Show. Mike in the Mechanics and the Living Years on the Richie Allen Radio Show, live out of Salford, Monday to Thursday at 5 o'clock UK time. The programme is archived at richieallen.podomatic.com. You can find pretty much every other day's episode on richieallen.co.uk. Just before we welcome back my friend, the great Dean Henderson, to the programme, let me read two or three very quick comments. Thank you for the comments, by the way. Uh, Hundreds of them literally coming in on the website where it says comment live. Thank you for them. Hi to... Uh, let me roll on. I saw one that was it. Cece, how you doing, Cece? Richie, we were told last year, don't kill granny. This year, we're being told it's okay to pump our children full of toxic puss. Muppets, says Cece. All the best. And I'm a Patreon member now. Thanks for that, Cece. Just before we say hi to Dean, uh, you'll know the programme is kicked off of PayPal. These days, I'm asking you to set up a standing order 
through the bank account that's on the website richieallen.co.uk or use Patreon if you can please. Now, my guest this hour is a great friend of mine and has been uh, incredibly generous with his time to me over the years. He is a brilliant author, folks. I can't recommend that you read his books highly enough. I can't recommend him highly enough. He's the man behind Illuminati Agenda 21. He wrote that with uh, his wife, Jill. Nephilim Crown 5G Apocalypse. The man behind Big Oil and their bankers in the Persian Gulf. The Federal Reserve Cartel. Brilliantly briefed, brilliantly researched. Live from Missouri, I think. It's been over a year since he was on. Let's welcome back to the programme my great friend, Dean Henderson. It's about bloody time. How you doing, Dean? Hey, good to be back, Rick. How you been? I've not been too bad. I, I've been, I suppose, like everybody else, almost in a state of bewilderment and shock and, and I don't know, discombobulation, if there is such a word, at the things that are happening and how willingly people seem to be to go along with them. And and then I feel naive, Dean, because guys like you and 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 people like Jill and many others have been telling me for many years this is where certain people want to take us. So feeling surprised by it and disorientated by it feels a bit silly, really, because it's not as if we haven't been warned, right? Yeah, true enough. It's... Uh the culmination of uh, many, many decades of, uh, well, mind control, disinformation, um, MK Ultra, and now it's on steroids. And I think the social media really was what propelled it uh, into this stage of uh, pretty much induced panic. And that's right where they want us. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, it is predictable. It was predictable. It's just the uh, the mechanism that they used. Um, maybe not so much. They they snuck up on us a little bit with this uh, electromagnetic uh, stuff, and um, they're 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 transitioning from a military industrial complex to uh, yeah more of a pharma medical complex, I guess. Uh, where I think instead of fighting wars with between countries, you know, it's just the oligarchy um, that was behind all those wars all along um, is now attacking the entirety of humanity and borders are gone. And, you know, it really is the, their, their wet dream, of course, is just a new world order with uh, these supranational uh, bodies like the WTO, the WHO, the IMF, uh, they taking democracy out of the hands of the people through money and politics first. And, and then by pretty much, uh, you know, uh, putting a nation state, in a position where it has no power and where it, it really is, uh, you know, the, the crown, the city of London, uh, crown corporations move to take us back to a, a feudalism, but this time it's more going to be an electronic feudalism where, you know, pe- there'll be this oligarchy, there will be no middle class. Um, this is why I think the, the main reason the COVID's happening is just to wipe out the middle class. People say, why are the white European countries in the U S in Canada and so forth being uh, hit the hardest and it has nothing to do with race. They don't love black people anymore. They love white people. They hate all of us. They're satanic uh, creatures. And, you know, really what it is, is taking out the competition. It's the old East India company way. You know, when you, when you get entrepreneurs who have their own businesses and who have a little savings in their pocket, you know, those are the people you have to take out if you want to stay in power. So, so it's really the, the culmination of, uh, 
many, many years of wealth accumulation of, uh, and, and the latest stage are selling it like it's some kind of green revolution or some kind of, you know, socialist utopia that they're bringing in with the Black Lives Matter and all these CIA organs that they control. But in fact, it's just uh, the most barbaric form of uh, capitalism we've ever seen using hidden weapons uh, with the five and six G with the electromagnetic frequencies, which I still think are, are, is the main reason why people are getting sick. And um, and yeah, and it's all stealthy and they've captured the, the sort of gatekeeper liberal class, got them in their pocket now. Very few exceptions, you know, outside of Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi. I think Bill Maher's a little bit red-pilled here lately, which is good. Uh, and, and I think there's a reason for that. Uh, get those people vaccinated, use Trump as a foil, and those are the people that they want to kill. Because in the end, it's the liberal mind, the open mind that, that will see things, that will question authority. They're not doing it right now. They've been captured, um, again, using Trump as a foil. Um, but they want those people dead, so they get them all vaccinated, and um, and it's really sad. But it's not. But the whole narrative of oh, it's just the Trump people that aren't getting vaccinated, at least in this country, is also false. Because I, I know you know just east of here, Pine Ridge uh, Indian Reservation, uh, 28% vaccination rate. Northern Cheyenne Reservation, uh, 18%. Inner City Blacks, 22%. And so that's also a lie. So the real the real left, the old left, the the Black Panther aim left. The Zapatista left. They're not going along with this. You know, in Chiapas, they uh, got, you know, there's whole villages of people in Chiapas where the Zapatistas, uh, uh, you know, operated, still operate, still control, really, that just refuse the whole vaccination. And um, people come in there, the cheerleaders for the vaccine companies come in there and they put a noose around their neck. They march them down to the town square so everybody can see them. 500 peso fine, run them out of town. And this is the way we're going to have to deal with people like this. And this is the way that, you know, revolutionaries will deal with it. But, but, but yeah, we're being, you know, we're finding out who's who, not that we didn't know already, but it's kind of this liberal gatekeeper class that's being taken for a ride. No surprise, really. No. Um, and, hey, do me a favor. Uh, yeah, do me a favor. It's, go, it's really, uh, Dean, go back to that a minute. This is brilliant stuff now. Go back to what you said a moment ago. In some of these communities, did you just say, I want you to just repeat that because I can't believe my ears, that some of these big pharma shoes are being run out of town by the people who are sick to death of being told to take the vaccine? Yeah, that's right. In in Chiapas, Mexico, which is, uh, you know, that's where the Zapatistas. Fantastic. Uh, many people will remember in the early 90s, um, they they came out with, you know, subcomandante Marcos and the mask and. And they rail, what they rail against, it wasn't Republicans, conservatives, Tories. No, it was neoliberal capitalism. And this is what we're dealing with. You know, there's not an ounce of difference between neoliberals, neoconservatives. Um, they're all internationalists, you know, bought and paid for by the crown. And yeah, they're actually, I read this in the Mexico Daily, which is a mainstream uh, newspaper you can get online. You can find the article, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, there's literally whole villages uh, near Ocho Cingo and San Cristobal de las Casas. Of, of Indian, Mayan Indians who are just, you know, 100%, we don't want your vaccinations. They, they, have, they refuse to accept them. And yes, when the big pharma boys come into the village, you know, whatever it is, using some pop star or some, some shill, yeah, they, they, that's literally what they're doing. They put a noose around their neck. They take them down to the plaza, you know, the center of every Mexican town. It's called the plaza. They, yeah. So everybody can see in the village what happens. And they charge them 500 pesos and they just run them out of town. A leaving and, um, town tax. I love this, Dean. I've got a smile from here to here. Right? 
<laughs> Get out of our yeah, town with your poisonous shit. And by the way, there's a 500 peso leaving town tax. Fantastic. <laughs> isn't that brilliant, isn't it? Yes. So not everybody's going along, and, and that's that's the narrative they're trying to sow. I, I'm convinced that, you know, the January 6th uh, thing at the Capitol, it was, it was led by the FBI. It was orchestrated by Trump. He led him into a trap and dropped him over the side just like he'll do and did and, and has done to the so-called alt-right. And But they had to have a, a bunch of people they could caricature as, you know, the dummies who weren't going to get vaccinated, right? So. Yeah. So that's that's why they did that. And, and so when we have to, you know, go after people for not getting vaccinated, they can say, oh, those are those domestic terrorists, you know. But um, are they but yeah, are they right actors, now, I mean, Dean? Do you see? The, can we stay with this for a moment? This is really important. Dean Henderson is our guest. Terrific author. Look him up. I'll put links to, to Dean later on on the Facebook page, whatever it is. And, and on the website, of course. Stay with this for a moment now, this so-called capital riot, because even to a lay person like me, and I'm always sceptical about claims of, of, of staged events, as I should be as a journalist. I mean, I believe staged events do happen. But this, to me, looked like a total stand-down order. And I think you've done a great job of explaining how Trump was involved in this. And, the, the, you know, this was just a non-event that was staged to get a reaction from the people. I mean, I look at this idiot who pleaded guilty, this shaman guy, this complete dipstick, right? Is that guy an actor, do we think? Because I think he might be of some description. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, like, there's been some reporting on it proving that uh, that there were many, many uh, FBI uh, informants in that crowd. And and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely convinced they let him in there and they were probably the ones that caused the most violence. You know how it is. It's just the yeah. same thing they did in the 60s to the Weathermen and the Black Panthers and everybody. And And not to say there wasn't some genuine people that showed up that, you know, wearing their, uh, their, you know, their, their, their hats, you know, with, uh, you know, a corn logo auditor. I mean, these are just salt of the earth people, some of them. And by yeah. the way, uh, these are the people that the Democrats lost when they sold out to corporate America, you know, under Clinton. And, and, and so, you know, that the liberal gatekeepers uh, are supposed to hate these people and scorn these people. And um, all, all the while it's, it is being orchestrated because they need, they need a domestic terrorist group. To, to basically uh, make it into a caricature so that, yes, when the vaccine mandates uh, go into place, um, you know, and, and they'll use the people that will be demonized. But as I say, this is all a lie because there's there's Indians, there's blacks, there's there's plenty of uh, left wing revolutionary type people who aren't taking this vax either. And uh, so it's all part of the narrative that they're having to sow. And, um, you know, hey, I used to, hey, I mean, when I ran for Congress, I used to call, you know, these these kind of right wing evangelical people, the American Taliban. But what actually is going on now is it's the American liberal elite class who, who have been taken over, hijacked because CNN and MSNBC and all these supposedly progressive, you know, stations who are owned by people like Ted Turner and General Electric, um, you know, and never were progressive. This is and that's why, you know, people like Ed Schultz left and Keith Oberman left and 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 and, and these people have been hijacked by the CIA. So what you have is is kind of the liberals are, are being hijacked by the CIA. They're the ones, again, being kind of mind controlled the most um, to hate these people and despise these these working class people at the Capitol and uh, and anybody who doesn't, you know, go along with the program. But, you know, like Pfizer and Moderna so far. Nobody, nobody talks about this, but Pfizer and Moderna so far have received $60 billion from the U.S. government. 
So all these free vaccinations that are being, you know, passed out to Americans and the rest of the world, uh, you know, it's not, they're not free. I mean, we're in hot, we're in the whole $60 billion to these guys already. And that doesn't yeah. count the boosters and that doesn't count other companies like Johnson and Johnson or AstraZeneca or anybody. So well said, Dean. So, well said. Know, it's, it's not just the boosters. It's the, it's, it's after the boosters. It's the specially adapted jobs to deal with the new variants. It'll never end, will it? Yeah. It'll go on and on. And what you yeah. just beautifully described there, divide and conquer. That you, you touched on it earlier on. You go back to the East Indian Company. That's what they did when they wanted to take over everything. They got the stakeholders, the landholders, to fight one another. They've been doing it for centuries, and, and here we're doing it today. Identity politics. We hate the trans people. And we don't hate the trans people, of course. We don't hate anybody. But we're up in arms. We're we're angry because of a you know of of, of a of 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 a certain element of of people who want to you know in in infringe on the rights of of real women uh, and all of the, oh, we get we get involved in all of these things and while we do that yeah. the agenda just kind of steadily yeah. makes progress time and again sure i mean it's perfect cuz now you have another way to divide people the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated yeah, you know yeah. And I mean, this is the whole thing with this woke movement. This woke movement is a corporate banker crown control movement that basically takes the attention off a of class, which as old lefties like ourselves know, that's really all it's about. Yeah. And it puts it on gender and it puts it on race and it puts it on vaccination um, and it puts it on all these things that really ultimately don't mean a damn thing. But, you know, they're funded by people like Jeff Bezos, who, you know, who shoots rockets, you know, 50 feet into space. And then they go thud and we're supposed to clap. And <laughs> this is just the most, uh, you know, I, I've never I mean, he, you're never going to see a more, uh, you know, provocative example of just the oligarchy just parading around in front of us and wanting us to cheer. And all the while, yeah, funding Black Lives Matter, funding Antifa, funding all these transgender organizations. Um, and it's and it's documented, it's provable. This is actually what is going on. And, and it's just nothing more than that. It's just a way to keep it off class, because all the while, uh, concentration of economic power just continues to to uh, just just steamrolls ahead. And and, uh, and look at Wall Street, look at what the Fed's doing in this country. They're just zero interest rates, buy a bunch of bad mortgage backed securities, prop up the housing market, prop up the stock market, inflation going to the moon. Most people you know, ha can't afford to buy hardly food anymore. And, and, and the, uh, yeah, they'll sit there on social media and they'll go after the trannies or they'll go after the anti-trannies or they'll, I don't know, they just get bogged down in all these division bell issues, you know, the old Pink Floyd division bell. Yeah. And it's just pathetic, but that's, this is how social media is used to control people. And, um, it's really sad, you know. Social media is a huge part of it, all right. There's no doubt about that. Dean Henderson is our guest. It's 22 and a half minutes past the hour. This is Monday's Richie Allen radio show. And Dean, you mentioned earlier on that that the military-industrial complex will be replaced, I think, you, I think to, to quote you, you said, by some sort of a pharma complex and a technocratic society. This is the next stage. And, of course, you also mentioned this green revolution which we're, we've been not you not me not jill not not my better half we've not 
fallen for it. But we're being told that the earth is in great peril and it's about to disintegrate unless we jump on board with this green agenda. And of course, all of the proposed measures to deal with the green problems will make life basically unlivable on planet Earth. It'll be a horrendous place to live. So that's where it's going, a kind of a big pharma, technocratic society, where the next thing will be, we'll spend all of our time talking about the things we need to do to offset global warming. And the things we'll need to do will be basically imprison ourselves, right? In, inside our homes and, and yep. not go out and, and not interact. Yep. Go on. Yep. And they, uh, yeah, limit freedom of movement. Uh, take everybody online, you know, just like you take a power plant online. You're taking the human race online now. And, the, you know, John Trudell, he's old Native American uh, activist, uh, head of counter intelligence for the AIM American Indian movement, you know, when the whole wounded knee thing went down in 1972 here in South Dakota. And by the way, I am in South Dakota now, Western South Dakota, Black Hills. I, we sold our place in the Ozarks. We moved up here and thank God because South Dakota is the only state in the, in this country that never locked down, never did anything. We don't wear a mask here. We don't obey here. We don't do anything. We just practice guns at the shooting range and get ready is what we do here. And it's not coming here, period. So that's not going to happen. So anyway, just so they know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's basically taking people into the cloud. And Trudell used to talk about, um, if you can Spotify this, it's called DNA Ancestors by John Trudell. It's a lecture he gave in Boulder, Colorado. And he's probably, I don't know, to me, the most brilliant thinker of our time, um, possibly. And he talked about way before, he's way before his time talking about this stuff already in the 90s, how they were going to mine us, literally mine us. Okay, so what that, that literally is what they're doing. So what I think about the jabs really, honestly, is it has nothing much to do with health. Um, it has to do with turning people into human antennas because they don't want, they, can't, they know they can't put all these 5G towers on every street corner without just people getting pissed and not liking the way they look. And, and so what better way to do it than just inject this graphene oxide crap, this electromagnetic stuff into people and so they become transmitters. And what is graphene oxide, Dean? Dean, apologies for jumping in. It's just that so many of our listeners yeah. won't know what graphene oxide is. Yeah. Now, I've only ever sure. heard of graphene. Yeah, I've, I've heard yeah, of graphene because it's made yeah. in, in Manchester. There's a huge project at the moment in Manchester, Manchester University, where graphene is being made under almost military security. It's been going on for a few years. And this graphene is a substance that's supposed to, well, it's, it's going to revolutionise the way that people make things and do things. But what you're talking about is a different thing, is it? Or is it an offshoot of graphene, graphene oxide? What no, is it? The same, it's, the same, it's the same thing. And if you go back and if you just, just YouTube graphene and you'll see all kinds of TED Talks about this miracle graphene yeah, yeah. stuff and... And the main way how they're even 10 years ago talking about how they were going to use it was, yeah, by injecting it into people and targeting viruses and targeting things because it has this ability to, to sort of hunt down the spike protein or whatever it is exactly they're looking for. But, you know, they did that study at the University of Madrid that people may have heard about and they found out that the Pfizer vaccine was like 98 percent graphene oxide. So I don't think I think what we're dealing with with my and this is my opinion. I know a lot of people ran away from this immediately. The, the whole connection between 5G and the virus right away because why? Because they went after people hard for it and they deleted my website for one. 
But I still think this is more of an electromagnetic sickness than it is than it is anything else and could produce a virus, could produce something. I'm not a doctor, but but it just seems like what they're trying to do with this graphene is just exactly what the YouTube things will tell you they're going to do with it, which is inject it into our bodies and and use it for all kinds of uh, biomedical sensors and and uh, things of that nature. But it is electromagnetic. It does cause blood clots big time. Um, which is the main problem they're having with these vaccines. And I really think it's it's human antennas. And so John Trudeau was right in a sense. I mean, in a sense, you, you are going to run the LiDAR driverless car grid. Like your energy is literally going to be mined. Just like Ronald Bernard, many people might have seen, um, he was the Illuminati insider who came out and he said the Masonic Project, of course, the Freemasons are just uh, agents of the crown, the Masonic project, he said, is to turn us all literally into human batteries. And that is exactly what I think is going on. And Alison McDowell is much more articulate on this topic than I am. But this is the matrix she's got now. It down. This is the matrix. Mm -hmm. It's the yeah, central plot of the film, The Matrix, isn't it? It is. Exactly. It's exactly the matrix. It's not, nothing more, nothing less than the matrix. And all the while, we're supposed to be scared and panic and. You know, it's become cool to panic now. You know, that's another thing social media has done to people. It's just, you know, it's not cool to panic. But even our healthcare people, even our leaders are, are panic that, you know, everything is a panic. But they have to they have to get people in that state so they can rush this through as fast as they can. Because, I, you know, I, I still say the economy was tanking September 2019. You know, the, the repo windows were open at J.P. Morgan, 15 percent interest. They're borrowing my Deutsche Bank. Uh, it was on the ropes. The real economy was on the ropes. So they they, they just did a basically an intentional crash. And, and now, yeah, it's build back better, whether it's Biden, you know, whether it's uh, your guy over there, whether it's, you know, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, it's the same language. So build back better is code for, you know, building out this fourth industrial revolution. And the only way they can accomplish that is through a combination, I think, of vaccines and towers. And and it's all about electromagnetic waves. And you talk about climate change. Well, it's it is things are changing. I mean, you know, you can't really deny that. I mean, it's been really freaking hot. And and what I think is really going on is it's, it's climate changers. It's like they can march out Greta Thunberg and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But on the other side of things, it's it's Elon Musk with his satellites. It's all it's a space fence being built by Crown Agent Lockheed Martin. And these things are really warming up the atmosphere. They have to be. Think about it. It's just common sense. You know, you, you shoot a bunch of electricity through the atmosphere and kill a bunch of bees and birds and people. It's also going to warm up the climate. And so that's the that's the irony here is that, you know, the same people who, who are telling us climate change, climate change, we have to do something are the ones perpetrating the crime. And why not? Because they're Luciferians and that's what they do. They invert everything. And, and they blame you for the, the the things they've done and they'll keep blaming you and keep blaming you for it. So, you know, it, things are changing. I mean, th there's crazy weather. I, I don't know about these California fires. I don't know about, you know, are people starting these fires? That's another thing. Look up in the sky where I live and it's nothing but smoke from these fires. And, you know, it's it's things like paint and, and, and insulation and just nasty things in the air. I mean, are, are they exacerbating people's lung problems? smoke are they starting these fires with other electromagnetic weapons are they you know are they are they then disguising that as covid i mean there's just all kind it's an assault it's a frontal assault on humanity right now we're in a war tell See, me we're this in a war and people better begin to realize it tell me this about the fires 
I would imagine that the state of California is no stranger to droughts because it's a very warm state and Pacific coast. And I'm sure over the the centuries, it's had periods of very, very, very dry, very hot weather. What is the history of big fires in 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 wooded land in California, Dean? Is this a recent phenomenon? Is it because if it is, that in itself, of course, would would um, give rise to suspicion that something else is going on. Yeah, I mean, there's always been fires there, but you know, there's not fires as bad. And trees, you know, but, but now they're crowning, and and the tops are connecting that's what crowning is is when the fire gets to the top of the tree and the, the tops of the trees connect and it, it's just they're calling them super fires now and they just start came out with that term maybe five years ago <clears throat> and if you look at the the data i think 10 of the of the biggest uh, 20 california fires have been in the last two years so and and there's a lot of people deb tavares is talking about this all the time who, who really do think they're using like electromagnetic weapons to start them there's you know that's a possibility but i mean i just really think you know this whole thing you got this power structure at the top the crown that knows exactly what's going on they just they really do want to kill a bunch of us for sure well documented right but most of the people the scientists the even fauci and, and gates these guys are just underlings they're like foils you're supposed to you know look at them and not see who's behind them even though gates you know old man or grandfather was a maxwell who sat on the uh, initial board of the Pilgrim Society in 1905, even though Fauci's grandfather was an abyss, who also sat on the board of the Pilgrim Society, Pilgrim Society being another tool of the round table that, that basically, you know, said we're going to, you know, spread the British Empire all over the world and, and, and keep it under our thumb. And you're supposed to look at these guys and you're supposed to not see who's behind these people, which, which is, yeah, Prince Charles, people like that. Uh, the queen, your queen over there, your queenie, who's got a, you know, the Windsors have a, on their coat of arms, there's a harp. And apparently they're in charge of the harp program, which is what is creating uh, a lot of this havoc, a lot of this weather conditions, a lot of the chemtrails, the fires, who knows, they're probably steering hurricanes, all kinds of stuff. I mean, they've been into this since the fifties, you know? And so, um, I think just a lot of it is climate changers. You know, they're deliberately, in other words, changing the climate to cause kind of disaster capitalism. Then they come in with their companies and we get an infrastructure bill and guess who gets the contracts? Same people that got the contracts in Afghanistan, same people who, who've always got the contracts, the, the people that live just outside the Beltway yeah. in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think seven of the 10 richest counties are right around Washington, D.C. And that's all the contractors, the lobbyists. Land. And again, a lot of these are crown agent uh, corporations. Yeah, they get the land. I, I, there, there will be people who have found this program in the last year because of what's been happening and because they're, like me, bewildered as to why it's going on. And this will be the first time they've ever heard anything like this. I know this. And it's going to be hard for them to swallow. And they'll be expecting me to jump down your throat and to stop you and cut you off and say... Dean, where's the proof? Where's the proof of this? What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a couple of things very quickly. Um, the HARP program, which Dean has referred to there, is a, is a genuine program. This even got mainstream media coverage a few years ago when the former, former governor of Minnesota, I think, uh, Jesse Ventura, did a entertainment program about conspiracy theories. But he, he um, uh, effectively, you know, said that he couldn't understand 
why the, the a, a secret program was was heating using antenna raised antenna in in a football field size thing was heating up the ionosphere and he couldn't understand why that would would be would be would be going on and of course there wasn't just one field of these antennae there were lots of them around the world heating the ionosphere and a number of experts over the years genuine people academics have said that this could very seriously impact the the, the jet stream and could play havoc with the weather. And others have said over the years, again, credible people have said that this could be used to accelerate existing weather systems. So if you had a weather system out over the Atlantic near the US coast or the the southern US coast, and you were to use this technology to heat the ionosphere, in theory, you could make that storm from a category C storm to a category A storm. So this stuff is out there. So if you're brand new to this and you want me to scream at Dean and say, Dean, you're, you're full of shit, I want some, some proof. Dean is saying that this is possible, and that there's good reason to believe that it's even probable. Now, as for the claim about graphene oxide being uh, in the Pfizer jab, uh, I'm not jumping all over Dean Henderson there and shouting at him and demanding evidence, because, again, a number of people, including Jane Ruby, who's been on this programme, Dr Jane Ruby, and others, have linked to this Spanish claim by these Spanish scientists that the jab contains as much as 99% of this graphene oxide. Now, would you believe it, dear listener? Back in July, so it's only a few weeks ago, Forbes magazine decided that they would debunk the claim that there is graphene oxide in the Pfizer jab. But it didn't. What Forbes magazine did was it put out an article saying that uh, graphene oxide in Pfizer is an unsupported claim. And they did a hit piece on Jane Ruby and said that this is preposterous, but they offered no proof whatsoever that her claims were in fact unsubstantiated. And what the magazine did, Forbes, was they actually suggested, wait for this, Dean, they suggested that people like Jane Ruby would be better off calling for more funding for the FDA and for the CDC to make it easier for them, to make it easier for them to uh, find out if there was graphene oxide in the vaccine. Let me quote you from the Forbes magazine article. Keep in mind that vaccines are a lot more highly regulated than things like dietary supplements and foods and beverages. Imagine what would happen if Pfizer were not to include a key ingredient, especially one that comprised 99% of the vaccine, on the ingredient lists submitted to the FDA and the CDC. Such an omission could put Pfizer at major legal risk and jeopardise their entire business. The FDA also conducts periodic evaluations of the manufacturing processes involved in producing the vaccines. So slipping in an undeclared ingredient wouldn't be that easy. I mean, this is hilarious. Forbes magazine is saying, listen, Jane Ruby's claims that there's graphene oxide in the, in, 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 in the Pfizer jab is basically nonsense. It's cuckoo conspiracy theory. Yet Forbes not only doesn't offer any proof that she's lying, it also suggests that we should fund Pfizer. We should fund FDA and the CDC to ensure that Pfizer doesn't get away with slipping in ingredients and not putting it on the list. So that's why I'm not jumping on over Dean Henderson. You couldn't make this stuff up, Dean. No, you couldn't. And I mean, that's how naive uh, these people are, I guess. But 
you know, it's interesting, isn't it, how, you know, they have to spend so much time and so many resources, you know, debunking, you know, <laughs> the word debunking. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, we're, look, we're but not winning, doing I'm going to tell you something right now that's, that, I, that, I, that I really believe in my heart of hearts is that we are winning the information war. And a lot of people hear that and they'll go, you know, look around them and they'll see everything that's happening and, and they won't believe it. But I actually think we're winning the information war. We've been sitting on 52% vaccination rate in this country now for, oh boy, long time, over a month. And before that, before the Delta, I think it was about 49. And okay, they scared a few more people with this Delta variant, which, you know, I'm pretty pretty sure they manufacture the Delta variant in the bodies of people who are vaccinated. Um, and it just makes sense. It's common sense. A virus mutates if you attack it and become something else. So it's weaker, um, but it's also, you know, and, and even Fauci, I mean, had to admit on TV that, you know, vaccinated people are carrying a higher viral load of this Delta in their nasal pharynx than unvaccinated people who have it. And so, you know, the, the reality is the vaccinated people are the ones that are spreading um, the Delta variant and not the unvaccinated. So this, again, an inversion, but, but I really think, you know, those numbers uh, don't lie and the people that anyway in the United States anyway the people who got it have got it people who haven't got it are not going to get it no matter what and that is precisely because despite their efforts to de- debunk debunk you know real information call us conspiracy theorists which was a CIA term of course it that was. they came up with after the JFK, Kennedy hit yeah. so that they could discredit any information about what really happened with Kennedy um, and and despite all of this despite deleting all these websites and you know, the dirty dozen, you know, and, uh, you know, one of whom is, you know, Robert Kennedy's, you know, son, you know, um, only great president we've had in the last, you know, 50 years. And despite all that, um, they, they just are losing. They're losing the information war. And I think their big mistake here lately is when they came out and said, you know, vaccinated people have to wear masks now because of this Delta. And I think at that point, I think a lot of people who who maybe really didn't want to get vaccinated, but did. Um you know, because they, they caved into the pressure from the media to, you know, take one for the team. Um, don't be selfish, you know, all yeah, this, yeah. these lies. I mean, um, they're, you know, they're really regretting it now. And, and that's why you see a lot of people that didn't go back for that second dose in the numbers, too, because I think the people with one dose is like 62 percent. And that's stayed the same, too. So they're not going back. And I've talked to people who did get vaccinated friends of mine, uh, I try to talk them out of it, but you know, it's their choice. And, and they, and there's several of them that wish they hadn't. And there's several of them who have seen vaccinated people in their families die. And, um, yeah. And, and I see there's a guy as a neighbor of mine, he's got some weird stuff now from, and he's, he's got vaccinated. So, I mean, it's just, the longer this goes on, I think the less effective this lie is going to be because in the end it's, it's going to, it's going to have to come out that that all this this vaccination is just this basically mad science that they don't understand that that that's going to make people sick. That's going to make it worse. It's going to create more variants. Now it's the moon variant, you know, whatever. And and of course, there's going to be more and more. There's, there's, and some people like Pam Popper say there's thousands of variants and there probably is. Um, so that's what happens when you play God and, and you think you can go in there and and do this and. And but but again, behind all of it, I think it, it's it's more of an electromagnetic agenda. And I think, uh, you know, the reason that people get sick uh, around vaccinated people or the women have longer periods or uncontrolled bleeding is, is is because of the electromagnetic frequency coming out of those vaccinated people. And this is anecdotal and, and, uh, stuff now. Yeah, I, I've heard from people on the program through the phone in 
tell me that they've seen these anomalies where people are, you know, becoming, well, well, well women have got in touch with the programme to say that their menstrual cycle, they believe it was affected by proximity to a vaccinated person. I'm not saying they're wrong. I wouldn't do that. But it is my job to say that this is anecdotal stuff. And of course, that's where the system has got us over a barrel, really. You know, I think these women are genuine. Of course I do. But it's very difficult for these women to prove what they're saying. And, 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 and of course, the establishment yeah. makes it very difficult for them to prove what they're saying. Dean, you are bang on the money as usual. 53.6% of people fully vaccinated in the United States. That is astonishing. And it bears out what you said. The vaccine programme in America has come to a halt. People don't want this bloody jab. Here in the UK, the claim is that 65% of the population has been fully jabbed. I don't know what to believe. I've got to go back to the graphene oxide very briefly. The guy who wrote for Forbes magazine, his name is Bruce Lee. That's his real name, Bruce Y. Lee. And he says, he says, if there's any real concern about what's going into the products, it may be best to strengthen the FDA rather than speculate about what might be in the products. How about give more funding to the FDA? This dickhead wrote an article which was supposed to debunk the graphene oxide thing. And in the end, he says he doesn't know whether there's graphene oxide in it or not. But the best thing we should do is trust the FDA. Jesus, Mary and Holy St. Joseph, as my old grandpappy would have said in County Kerry. That's just bloody mad, Dean. So you believe then that we're winning the information war and the proof of that is, is that the vaccination programme has juddered to a bit of a halt then. In America, you're not having the vaccine. Yeah. I think so. And I mean, just again, it's just it's just my personal experience here. But, you know, I, I went I, I've never gone to like a class reunion in my life of my class. Right. And I was class 83. So the class 81 from my little town of Falkton, South Dakota, because this is my home state. Also, I grew up here, um, had a reunion out here uh, in the Black Hills. And I went to it and to a person, uh, nobody was getting vaccinated. They all thought the covid was a scam. You know, they didn't know why or how or necessarily. But. I mean, that's evident. That's to me. That's like wow, because these are people that you know have varying degrees of education, varying political views, um, and you start really you go out in the real world. I mean, you, you know, if you watch a TV uh, uh, or maybe if you're online, I don't know about online because I'm not online much anymore. Thank God. Um, but if you if you if you watch the media, which again is Latin for medium, which means to get in between you and the truth, which is what the etymology tells us about that word. So it's always bad media. You're not media rich. You're just a truth teller, you know, in my book. But anyway, um, if you watch that, you'd swear to God, you know, everybody's just rolling over and everybody just believes in this. And but if you go out in the in the street here where I'm at anyway, I mean, I could just go out and talk to my neighbors here. Um, and they and there's many, many of them who who are clued into the to the whole damn thing and who who don't trust the 5G and who don't definitely don't trust the vaccination. And, um, you know, this stuff is really spreading and this information is really spreading. And I think the more they try to discredit it at some level, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And the more they offer people all these incentives to get the vaccination, they're, they're just people go, wait a minute. You know, if this thing's so great, why are they having to, why are they so desperate yeah. to pay us all this money to get and where it? Are the bodies? Where and are the bodies? Where are the bodies? Yeah. Where are the bodies? And then you look at and it just yeah, exactly. And and you look at one more thing that's kind of interesting, just, it's just an outlier. But again, it's observation, okay? Observation, inference, science, whatever. I mean, it's just like look out your window and go, okay, who got hit by, let's see, there's three cities in the U.S. that passed the vaccine passport thing where you can't go indoors 
which I guess means you can't buy groceries or eat, which means you better get on a bus to get out. But it's New York, it's New Orleans, and it's San Francisco so far. And then the kind of that kind of came to a halt. But just interestingly, New York was just hit by two hurricanes, which they never get hit by. New Orleans just hit by a huge hurricane. See what happens in San Francisco. Yeah. So I, I, I believe in, in, a, in a higher power. I believe in a creator. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, uh, you just got to hold the pole. You got to keep your faith and you got to keep moving forward. And you can't get bummed out and you can't, you know, and I do too. Sometimes everybody does. It's crazy times. We're living the craziest time. Maybe the humans have ever lived. I don't know. But, but you have to just keep moving forward with the information and, and keep telling people and keep staying true. And maybe we'll get that divine intervention. Maybe we'll get more things like this happening and, and just needs to hit people over the head. But, but right now, yes, I think we're in the information war. And, and that's why they have to back off um, a lot occasionally. And then they come at you again and then they back off. And that's how they do it. I understand. It's a, it's a beta test of the hive mind. It's how far can we push this hive mind we've created with the social media, the technology, the, the group thing. And, um, and I understand all that and, and, and they're testing it, but while they're testing it, we need to be identifying the perpetrators. And you know, my thing, Richie, it's just the crown corporation city of London and, uh, the Rothschild banker crowd. And, and that's the same people that have perpetrated every war, every terrorist act, slavery, Indian genocide around the planet. And these people got a real bad track record. And that's not conjecture. That's history. It's called read, read a history book. It's called remember what happened for 10 centuries in Europe. And th that happened. And those people are still in power. And nothing stripped them of their wealth. Nothing stripped them of their power. Nothing changed. Yes, America, you know, we came over here, ran away from the bastard. Yes, Australia, New Zealand, same. Um, but then they had the Federal Reserve and, they, and they've got their mechanisms where they got their, their talons into us again. They never lost power. This is just history. This isn't conspiracy. This is history. And and to, to sort of ignore history and ignore that these people exist and live in castles, at, you know, on welfare, on the welfare of the people and think they're better than us and they have better blood than us. And all these things that they'll just tell you right out in the open, just go to Burke's Peerage and check it out. And, you know, really, that's a really great resource. Go to Burke's Peerage. If you want to find books, out, mate. you know, these bloodlines that I talk about, Your stuff, books. you know, it's all out in the open. It's not a conspiracy. Let's give a, it's, let's it's give a, it is. let's give a proper plug for your books. You're very generous with identifying others who've written. Nobody has written about this more succinctly than you have about these royal families, these bloodlines, how these families married into um, the, the, the big financial families. And, you know, I'm not going to synopsize now what you've written in the time we have left, but your books, folks, if you if you look for Dean's books online, Dean Henderson, and you'll get them online at all good online bookstores, I recommend you buy them. I really do. Dean, you might give me another website in a moment that might suit you better. But can I ask you to give me a quick opinion on something, as quick as you can now, because it's uh, we've got about six minutes left before we have to wrap it up. Look, some of my listeners... They, I think sometimes jokingly, sometimes seriously, they get in touch with me and they rant at me and say that I'm a shill and that I'm a bit of a bastard because, because I push germ theory. I don't push anything. A guy called Andrew Kaufman came on this program a year, a year or so ago and he was a nice guy and we had a good conversation and he doesn't believe in germ theory. I think he believes in terrain theory. I'm not sure anyway. But look, he didn't have a satisfactory answer for me. I grew up knowing that, you know, if I'm in a room with somebody who's ill, uh, and, and I've never been a hypochondriac, 
I would get ill or I would pick up something. I know that if you're in a company, in, a, in an office space, and somebody comes in and they've got a heavy cold or, or they've got a touch of flu, it generally does spread uh, amongst the other employees. Some of them will get it, some of them won't. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a virologist, I'm not an epidemiologist, but uh, it seems important for some of my listeners that I agree with them that germ theory is bullshit. <laughs> but I don't know that germ theory is bullshit. Can you give me an opinion in three minutes? What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh, debate. I'm glad that we're at least now having this debate. Um, you know, I, I'm not a doctor either, okay? So it's just sure, you know, it's just definitely an opinion. I mean, I do think that, you know, throughout the, the years, I mean, you know, I think the crown corporations, uh, which, by the way, all corporations are crown corporations because they invent the idea of a corporation, of an LLC that they could hide behind and not have any liability if they pollute your water, your air, make you sick. So, I mean, I do think a lot of that stuff um, has that's been introduced into the world by these alchemists, you know, whether it's glyphosate or whether it's 5G or whether it's fluoride or you know, any kind of compound that they came up with in their little mad science tents, it's, it makes people sick. And, um, and I do think there's a lot of evidence that, you know, some of the, the pandemics and some of the historical stuff that's happened did happen concurrent with especially advances in electricity, even just the invention of electricity and, and, you know, electricity, it's like, look, we're electric, so it's going to knock you off. It's going to screw you up. Now, as to whether or not that creates bacteria or, you know, bad bacteria germs, you know, in your body, it, you know, it's possible. I don't know the details. Um, I think there's truth in both of it, but I think the root of it, I do think the root of it is is pollution. I think um, there's a reason people used to, you know, um, back in the day, didn't, didn't have these kinds of problems. I mean, they, they died younger, actually, because, you know, they got, you know, killed by bears and stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. they didn't they didn't get the cancer. They didn't get this kind of stuff that, that we get now. So I think there's probably truth to both. I don't think it's an either or. Um, but I definitely think a lot of a lot of the problems are caused by external factors. You know, I do think that that uh, creator made it kind of perfect here, well, not kind of perfect, perfect. And this is why I think at, at the core, of these people are Satanists, uh, whether they know it or not, because what they're doing is they're trying to alter um, the perfect world that creator made for us, that Wakantanka made for us. The great mystery uh, that we can't explain. Um, I can't anyway. And and I think so. I think it, does, it has made a lot of people sick. And like I say, now, whether that results in the sickness results in a virus or a germ or something inside of you, I'm not a doctor. Brilliant answer, mate. An honest one. It's where I am. I don't know. We. I think things are so difficult. It, it does bring out the worst in people. It brings out the worst in good people, you know. Yeah. Increasingly, if, 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 if you don't say what they want you to say, well, for them, you must be part of some... Uh, cover up. I just don't know. I don't even know if it matters anymore, to be honest, you know, because of the obvious things that we can talk about. We've got about two minutes left. I think I know the answer to this, but if if folks have heard you for the first time, now, of course, the majority of my listeners will know all about you, but new listeners joining programmes like this all the time because they're not getting answers on legacy media. So they're looking out for other alternatives and they're kind of happening accidentally finding programs like this where should people go to find out more about dean henderson and by the way it won't be um so long before you come back on again hopefully where should they go dean 
Well, you know, they, they did delete my website uh, February 2020 and uh, took down a lot of my stuff, froze my bank account, really went after me. Um, and at that point, I'd already rebuilt it once. And, and every shred of information on that website was is in a book. That's that's what I did. So um, I don't really have an online press other than the fact that I do a lot of interviews like this. And um but even those, a lot of them don't last on YouTube. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well. Uh, they go after my stuff and delete them usually within a week. All the so time. Yeah. my books uh, are available at Amazon.com and and Goodreads and Thrift Books and different places. I think Barnes and Noble, some of them. Um, and uh, and you know, uh, people can feel free to contact me at Hooversapples at Yahoo.com. And um, yeah, so I really have been reducing my online presence. I, I just prefer to live in the real world and talk to real people. And I'm trying to get the word out just just with real people in the real world now. And and uh, and and so, uh, yeah, not a huge online presence. Uh, I was a deliberate. Uh, they kind of did me a favor in a way, I yeah. think, by by knocking that out. And uh, and yeah, so so love to hear from people and love to do these shows and, and continue to get the word out on this uh, this Internet that they created as a weapon. But we're going to we've turned it around and jokes on them. Dean, um you did tell me last year you were going to be in South Dakota. It's, I'm an idiot sometimes. The things that I forget, uh, I should have said that earlier. Nah, on. I, but it's, you know, I should be remembering stuff like that. Go on to Amazon. Go to Goodreads. Buy a Dean Henderson book. It'll be the best thing you buy today. Please do. Support excellent writers and journalists. And I'm not just saying that. His books are fantastic. They're brilliantly written and um, often ably assisted by um, his wife, Jill, as well. Dean, thanks for coming on again today. You you know I'm a, the chief cook and bottle washer here. It's just it's just me. Drop me a line in a couple of weeks uh, or in a month if, we, if, if you haven't heard from me and give me a kick in the arse. I know you're very, very busy and you're in demand, but um, let's do this again. Uh, in the autumn, in the fall, as you Philistines call it over there, you absolute Saxons. Um, but uh, 